0: So, we want to particularly think about the weirdness of this tonight uh, that we, that Christians, um, myself being one, would, would call God Father, uh, that we would refer to Him as Father, and how that all works. And so, I just want to ask you do, do, if you're a Christian, do you realize how weird that is that you refer to, to God as Father? And we're going to look at how Jesus on the cross, the last thing he says is, he calls out to his Father, uh, to God, his Father. Uh, he said seven things on the cross. We're looking this whole semester at there they crucified him. The whole Bible is about the cross. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, Jesus says, points forward to the cross, and the New Testament looks back to the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection. And so the whole thing's about it. So we're looking, kind of going verse by verse, chronologically through what happened, those six hours on the cross. Uh, the first, you know, so in those six hours, Jesus said seven things. Uh, He looked at those who were gambling for his garments and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He showed mercy to them. Uh, There was a thief uh, crucified next to him who called out for salvation. He said, Today you'll be with me in paradise to him. He extended mercy to this uh, criminal. Then he sees his mother watching the, the agony that he's enduring, and he says to John, his beloved disciple, This is now your mother, and this is your son. And he provided for his mother. Uh, Then in the depths of agony, when he endures hell itself for for believers to save them, he cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the deepest, darkest agony that anyone could ever experience. The deepest, darkest forsakenness that Jesus experienced. And then we move on to, to it is finished. All has been accomplished. He's moved on. And now he finally, the last thing he says is, as he cries out, we'll read it in Luke, it's, as it's said in Luke 23:46. 46, hear the word of God. It says, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. May he add that eternal blessing through it to our hearts today. So let's, uh, let's hear it. Um, so he calls out to his father. Uh, I want to I want to submit to you today. If you have your hand out on the very very front of it, which it says "Welcome to RUF," you have a big idea before you, and the big idea is that we all must put our faith in Jesus Jesus's work on the cross, particularly his faithful commitment to his Father's hands for us, that he's doing this not just for himself but for us. And in doing so, he's going to destroy death. Death is going to be overcome through Jesus' works. And the one thing that he's overcoming here is our lack of contentment, our lack of committing towards God uh, and as our Father. And so we're going to look. Uh, we have a, a, Because I went to grad school for preaching and, and theology, I have this unique thing of, of somehow working things out to where uh, they... Um, the, the three points have the same first letter. And so that's just the way it goes. There, there, it's an alliterative outline today. I'm very proud of that. And so you notice one is fatal flaw, two is fumbles, and then three is for our future. Uh, so you'll look at how our faith in Jesus' commitment to his Father's hands rescues us from our fatal flaw first. So uh, we have a fatal flaw. Um, we refer to God as Father for Christians, but do you really mean it? Do you really refer to him as? your father. Uh, that, that you know, Grace, my daughter, who is four years old last night, was relying upon me to put her crib back together. Now, she, this is not the crib that she sleeps in. She just sleeps in a bunk bed, but she has a crib for her little bunny named Gracie. Grace has a bunny named Gracie. And <laughs> Gracie's crib had been demolished, okay? And so it's this plastic pink crib. It's very cute. It rocks. And the bunny needed a place to sleep, okay? So, I, I wasn't I was it was very hard to do. I got the craggle and went about you know putting it together, putting it into place, and she has now a crib for Gracie. I stayed up all night last night working on it. It was hard work. So not really, but the, the, the craggle came in handy, the crazy glue. So this this crib works now, and she came to me as a father, relying upon me to get it done for her because she couldn't do it herself. She knew she couldn't fix it on her own. She came to me. Do we do this if we say if we call it to the heavenly Father? Do we actually mean that? Do we do that? I don't think we really do. Um, for us, fathers can be uh, Father's Day can be a very weird time, very hard time for many of us. It's a confusing time. Uh, we don't maybe we don't know our fathers. Our fathers are 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 bad, um, and so. The idea of father is not something that we we, we look at as a as a joyful thing, um, and that's that's okay. That's 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 our story. That's what we have uh, to work with. But this father that Jesus calls out to, he is in, absolutely enamored with. Uh, he cannot get over it. Um, if you if you were to go through and count how many times he calls out to the father, it's staggering. Now, just give me a, I'll just give you three stats real fast. In his first public sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He calls out to the Father seventeen times in one 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 message in his upper room discourse. That's uh, John fourteen through sixteen, where he's about to go and die. He speaks to his disciples, and he call and he, and he calls on the Father forty five times in that as he's speaking to his disciples. And then in his final prayer for his for his friends, he he calls on the Father six times. That's in John seventeen, the high priestly prayer. And the last time he utters a word as a man before his death. He's committing His Spirit into the hands of His Father. He's calling out to the Father. Why don't we do that? Why is that not our instinct? Well, I think we, we have a fatal flaw. We have lost what, what God has made us to be, and we're under His judgment. We've, we've, we have all been kicked out of paradise. We've been kicked out, just like Adam and Eve, kicked out of the immediate presence of God. And what ought to be natural to us is dependence upon God, where we look to Him as a Father to meet our needs. It is no longer with us. Uh, we we look for other things to meet our needs, and so that is not what we are about anymore. We have this fatal flaw, and we we because we don't see our Father, he's sort of absent. The Heavenly Father is not around us. Uh, we may think of him more as a rule book. Um, he you know like this this we haven't seen him. We have a book of rules. We've got a story about him in the Bible, but we don't see him, and he's so, sort of not tangible to us. But Jesus didn't have that fatal flaw. Um, he was in eternal communion with his Father. Uh, And then he was incarnated as a man. He took on flesh. Uh, And so he's both divine and human, uh, living still in the presence of his Father and being what it truly ought to be to be human. And he didn't have that fatal flaw of distrust of his Father. He knew what being a son was, and so he calls out, Father. And he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Now that's sort of ironic because the Son of Man, Jesus, had been committed into the hands of men, or into the hands of sinners. You see that that phrase, that Jesus was delivered over into the hands of sinners to be executed. He let himself be delivered into the hands of sinners. He could have taken them out easily, but he let himself be killed for the sake of sinners. The very people who were trying to kill him. And then on the very moment when he's first crucified, he's crying out, Father, forgive them, So they know what they do. He, he's laid over into the hands of sinners for the sake of sinners. He goes to death for his enemies voluntarily because we can't see the Father. And he had to come and show us what the Father's like. That's what the Father's like, Father who's full of mercy. And we don't understand that because we've lost that. Jesus had to take on flesh to be killed for our sake because that's how greatly the Father loves us. He wanted to show us and, and turn back our fatal flaw that we distrust Him and mistrust Him. And so the more we look at Jesus, the more we're going to see what the Father actually looks like, that we'll see the glory of God, that He would voluntarily do something like that. And so He commits His Spirit, the very essence of Himself, into the Father's hands. Okay, His everything. This is all He has left. He gives it to the Father. And what does the Father do with it? The third day, He raises Him from the dead. And then 40 days after that, He takes Him up to the place at his right hand, ascended into heaven, and sits on the throne. Uh, The Father has a very good track record of dealing with Jesus. It's a model for us. He shows us what the Father's like, and then the Father demonstrates his mercy to Jesus in not allowing him to be be left in the grave. His spirit set free, his soul set free from his body, but then his body is brought back to life on the third day and exalted into heaven. He commits his spirit. Now, I don't know about y'all. If y'all watch college football this weekend, but it was a terrible weekend for college football. Um, awful. Um, the, one, of the, one of the most terrible things was Katy Perry on game day. Um, I don't know if you're Katy Perry fans, but she made a, a big deal down in Oxford. She's partying it up, and there's a clip on Twitter, like a like a very quick Vine of her um, in a bar called Funkies in Oxford, on the bar, uh, ch- chugging down a beer, and then jumping out into a crowd and crowd surfing, you know, head first. Uh, it's a pretty amazing video. Uh, Katy Perry uh, in a bar in Oxford, hanging out with the students. They have the goalpost there, I'm sure, because uh, they beat Alabama. I'm sorry, John Baber. That's awful. Sorry to bring up that, that old stuff for you uh, and that uh, terrible thing. So, But Katy Perry literally committed her spirit into this crowd surfing thing. I don't know if you've ever been crowd surfing, but uh, like, that is a lot of trust, okay? You're jumping out, doing a trust fall into people, and what if they would have dropped her? That would have been even more of a viral video, okay? Like, But they did not drop her apparently. So she, she's li- going out into this to yield up herself to these people. Jesus, in like manner, is yielding himself to the glory of the Father. He has done this his whole life. He, he came for a purpose to do his Father's will, and he's laying it all down in absolute submission and dependency upon his Father. So here it is. Um, he laid down his life as no other man could do it. Any other man doing this would have been suicide, but he's doing it as a perfect act of sacrificial love for people like me. And so as I'm going to tell you guys, as I'm looking at this, I've got to be honest with you, this is a hard one to think about for me. This is a very hard one because I am not the, the most dependent person who calling out on the Father thinks, I need God to rescue me all the time. I feel like I've got it all together. I feel like you probably being 18 to 22 year old, you think you're bulletproof. You think you can get through a lot of things uh, and you feel like I don't need uh, the father to help me. Yeah, I, I solve problems on my own. And then when I can't, when when I haven't studied for the test or I realize I'm really struggling, then I might say a Hail Mary, you know, or a, a, a prayer to God there. Um, I, I'm that kind of guy who I try to do it on my own uh, and don't think of God the way Jesus does. And so this is, I need Jesus to, to sort of cover my fumbles, which is the second point. Faith in Jesus' commitment to His Father's hands rescues us from our, fumb- our fumbles. Uh, we try to go about all the days, uh, all of our days, trying because we're sort of disoriented. We don't know God as Father. We, he's He's absent from us. We can't feel Him, and so we look for that in other things, uh, all over the place. We look for that security. Uh, and that uh, a feeling of contentment all over the place. Uh, we look for it in relationships, and in wealth, in in status, all kinds of places. Um, we doubt, um, we doubt all the time, uh, and so we got to find some kind of rock, and so we look to our own selves. What what are we good at? What can we trust in? Okay, and so, uh, the, uh, but, but what Jesus knows for us is that we are like that. We absolutely are those kind of people. Uh, and we don't have to impress him with our, uh, with our unswerving commitment to him. We don't have to be good enough for him or clean enough for him. Um, and so we often hear that Jesus died for us. I mean, like, like, you cannot live in America and not know that Jesus died for people. Okay? He died for people. Okay? As a substitute, as a representative, his body was for us. Okay? His spirit was for us also, though. And so as he commits his spirit to the Father for safekeeping, you've got to hear this, as he commits his spirit to the Father for safekeeping, so also is he handing each spirit who is united to him to the Father to keep them safe. So on the basis of that, your eternal security is not found in yours or my wishy-washy, non-committal, hedging, dodging, wandering selves. Uh, our, our eternal security is found in the Father holding our souls, holding my soul as it was safely delivered into his hands by the Son. If it were up to me and you, the Spirit would have fumbled, would have been fumbled away, all, my, all of us. We could never approach God and stand up to this, what Jesus did, and deliver our souls into the Father's hands. None of us could do it. We have a trouble enough getting out of bed in the morning and I could not get to where Jesus is and do it. Jesus So here's what he says in John 10. He says, I give them eternal life, talking about his people, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's your confidence. That's our assurance that Jesus handed you off. He handed your spirit off. He handed your soul off. It was not what you have done. If your faith is in Jesus, it really is in Jesus. Not in you. Not in anybody else. If your faith is in Jesus, it's really in Jesus. Not in anything you do. Not your unswerving commitment to Him or your handing it off rightly to Him. We fumble all the time. And so the good news is the gospel is for people who fumble. Uh, We always drop the ball. If your faith is in Jesus... It, it is in him. The gospel is me standing on the sideline, observing my rescuer, bringing me all the way home from hell into the gates of heaven and handing me safely over to the Father. It's exactly like you would have felt if Trevor Knight would have completed, completed the pass to Deron Neal and he would have ran it all the way for a touchdown. That's how you would feel looking at Jesus. You do nothing and you say, We won okay, or we lost. That is how we stand. We stand upon we. It's what another does for us. But no, no, no. We're Trevor Knight and we're Deron Neal in the story. We are fumbling it away. We are those guys. huh. We're not Jesus. Uh, okay, sorry guys to bring up another old wound. Uh, John Baber's smiling. He's the only one. Um, so, the intern from Alabama. Sorry, he's one of us now. Um, and so, when I hear the gospel, I have to say, that is for me, or it's not. I, am, I need to be handed over safely to the Father, or I don't. There's no in-between. And so you've got to ask, what do I say to that? Um, if it's not for you, search all you want, and there's nothing that's out there going to give you rest. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, it's going to be in Him. And so a lot of us are faced with these futures that we don't know about. Uh, we don't know where we're going. We have no idea what our major should be. We've changed it five times, and we just don't know what to do. We don't know who to marry. We don't know uh, where to go with ourselves. And, and as and you know, and I'm 35. I drive. A, you know, I always say this. We drive a minivan, have a wife and four children, and it's at my point that I start to realize, like, what am I doing with my life? Okay, like like we all that never goes away. Uh, there's always this rest, this con- uh, discontentment that's always going to be in your mind, and you've got to trust God with your future. And this is so very relevant to us because He's a Father. He actually cares about your future. He's a loving Father. And so we can go to Him and realize I can lean upon Him, and He understands my need, and He can rescue me. He actually can. And so the answer to the Christian who is doubting and struggling and not sure where he needs to go is not to work harder on your handing off, uh, but to the answer is to consider the most flawlessly amazing handoff ever done when you and me and all the sinners that Jesus died for were brought home safely all the way to the end zone. So the one final thing is, is where your spirit goes, there your body will go eventually. If Jesus handed you off to the Father, there you're going to go. It's going to happen. Uh, your security is in your faith in what Jesus did and not what you are doing today. And, and I believe that's going to actually make you do different today. If you really believe that God loved you so much that, that Jesus came to make the Father known to you and then committed to the Father where you couldn't, then you will absolutely um, be able... do you see that kung fu move where I stopped that paper from flying? That was not a fumble. Uh, so so, when, so, the, so, the, so when, when I feel like I'm doing well uh, with my walk with Jesus... I start to get a big head about that. And I think, well, Jesus ought to love me more. And then I start to think, well, you know, I'm better than other people out there on campus who can't get it all together, right? But then when I'm not doing so well and I'm fumbling all over the place and I can't get my addictions under control and I feel depressed and anxious all the time and I don't know what's wrong with me, then I start to feel like I hate myself. I turn the rage in on me. And in, in both those situations, neither one of those people are more righteous than the other. The do-good person, the do-bad person, or the, the confused person, or the, the, the assured person is not better than the other. It's, it's the person who finds themselves in Jesus. And so the person who is a mess and fumbling all the time actually may be closer to knowing the Father than the one who's not, um, who's, who's seemingly doing it all right. And so the joy in your life ought to be in seeing Jesus. Uh, and, and, and that's it. The greatest joy is in something else that's not in you that he could love you. Nothing could do that. So um, Jesus will give you a future, and your future is going to be gloriously with the Father. It's going to be gloriously with him. That's your hope. It's not who you'll marry. Uh, though my marriage is amazing and I love my wife, my ultimate future and hope is not in my wife. It's not in my children. These are wonderful things. Uh, it's not in my in my reputation, but it's ultimately in my heavenly father, who I've been estranged from, being brought back to me. It's a beautiful blessing. Uh, that, that Our future is in a father, not a religious code or a bunch of rules that we follow or, or don't follow. Our future is in a father. And Jesus understands that. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Okay, final thing here. Um, final story. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cinderella Man. Uh, I highly recommend it for a guy's night. Uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful movie about Russell Crowe playing this guy who's a boxer, and he's trying to take care of his kids, and, and it's the Depression, and he can't find uh, work, and so he has to try to box. and uh, Well, one day his son uh, gets caught stealing uh, from the butcher, and, uh, you know, Russell Crowe, uh, James Braddock is his name actually, saw it there, uh, he takes his little kid uh, back to the butcher to return the stolen meat, And after the return, he realizes that the kid is nervous about being sent away to the country to live with relatives who are doing better than than they are. They have more money. And so he's worried, uh, you know, because feeding your family in New York City was tough. And so Russell Crowe, we'll call him Russell Crowe because that's funner than Braddock, right? Russell Crowe says, we don't steal ever. Give me your word. We don't steal ever. Give me your word. Looks at his little boy. And the boy says, I promise. And then Russell Crowe says, and I promise that we'll never send you away. I promise that we'll never send you away. And then he offers his little boy a handshake. And the little boy doesn't take the handshake. What do you think he does? He jumps into his arms. He just wants to know that his his future with his father is safe, that the father's not going to abandon him. And it changes the boy's identity. Uh, we don't steal. He understands what that is. And so he, it makes, he makes him say it out loud. But while he's doing that, if you point forward to the future, when, when, when that boy was tempted to steal, or when he will you know, be tempted to steal and rather to obey, um, the reason he's going to obey or not steal is not going to be because that's what keeps him from being sent away. The reason he's going to obey his father's words or Jesus' words in our, in our story is that's it's because he knows that he will never be sent away. The father makes that clear to him. He will never be sent away. You can watch that movie and decide for yourself that's what that means. Uh, the beauty of a relationship with a heavenly father is that it's not you're doing the commandment that's going to keep you there. It's that you're going to be keep, kept there forever because this is your home this is your Father. He's never sending you away, and it will change you to know that. And that's the very last words that Jesus utters on the cross: is that not even our fatal flaws, not even our fumbles, not even our concern of our future will ever stop God the Father from loving us, because Jesus has paid for everything like that. He's keeping us with Him. So let's. With that said, we'll pray. And if there's any questions, we'll take those, and we'll pray or we'll uh, praise God through singing again. So let's let's pray. Our God in heaven, uh, we thank you for this night under the stars to be able to, to hear your word and to, to think about it in a little deeper. I pray that you would help us to, to think about uh, how we stand with you. Uh, if we are absolutely looking for someone to acknowledge us, would we look no further than you acknowledging your son who offers up his spirit into your hands and with that offers up his own body in his own spirit in our place to die the death we can never die, to live the life we can never live for our sake, to justify us and forgive us and to win our salvation and rescue us forever. And so if we could, if we could find ourselves in that kind of need, would you convince us that that is true for us and help us to fall upon dependence upon you and call you Father, maybe for the first time, May just start to mean that uh, on our day-to-day lives, to start to call out to you as Father and rely upon you. We pray that that would be uh, something you would like to do and that uh, as we pray those things, would you help us to believe that you're faithful and good and kind to hear our prayers. So we pray in Jesus' name praise his glory. Amen. All right.